Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. What were you wondering? Do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? We do, and you can too. With just 52 easy installments of this podcast. And your precious time. <laughs> your precious, precious time. So at this precious installment, we're looking at Season 1, Episode 22, The Boxer. Originally aired January 30th, 2004. It was written by Will McRobb and Bob Mittenthal and directed by Chris Grismer. Uh, and it guest stars Conrad Nespiak as Lee Johns. Lee Johns is back? I would not have expected Lee Johns to come back. Lee Johns is back. Yo and hello, Cougars. If you haven't bought your Cougarific Cougar Radio calendar, what are you waiting for? So uh, we open with a Cougar Radio ad as the gang listens in the hallway because it's, I guess, the, the annual selling of the Cougar Radio calendars which I believe is a, a fundraiser that they do every single year. I, I'm extremely confused about the appeal of these calendars because it's set up to explain that these calendars are just photos of other students. <laughs> yeah, so like the, the incentive for selling the most calendars is that your photo gets put in the next year's calendar. And Kim announces this while staring at a picture of herself in the current calendar. So like... Assuming that Kim's got a monopoly on this this calendar business, that means that all of the the students they they're just buying a calendar of Kim Carlisle. It's really friggin' weird. I don't I don't like it. So the gang is in the hallway listening into this radio ad, unimpressed. We get a return of shoes. I hadn't realized that we hadn't <gasps> yeah. seen them play shoes in a long time. But Ray says choose between hearing another one of these ads and getting funk master tattooed on your forehead and everyone says funk master and then travis says well who's who's stupid enough to to go for this and actually want to get their face in these calendars Q, ed and ted running down uh. the hallway trying to sell them the calendars so many months and so many outstanding poses ed and ted are showing off all their poses skiing for january popping up like little flower buds for april and the gang just kind of shakes their head and leaves. And they're like, well, what about Rocktober? And they have these rock out poses. They're so great. Oh, no, you're not going to start raising your hand, are you? Remember what happened last time? The whole class started going, cuckoo, cuckoo. Yeah, well, I still say technically Columbus couldn't have discovered America if people were already there. Yes, Travis. Wow. <laughs> oh, woke Travis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's great. We're introduced to the other plot of the episode as Ray and Travis are headed off to their history class together. Travis is super stoked to be learning about uh, the boxers, a group of Chinese fighters. Um, he's been like studying up and he's telling Ray how excited he is. And Ray is worried that Travis is going to speak out and get ridiculed by the class. I'm, I'm like totally on with Travis on this one. And come on, class, don't make fun of your classmate for for dunking on colonialism calling out your goddamn privilege shut up <laughs> we get the random return of lee johns as he plops down in, into a seat in front of travis and says the teacher's sick ray is like pumped because he says oh they're gonna dunk on the substitute and it turns out hey, hey who's ready to learn principal waller's just subbing in because he doesn't have anything better to do being the principal of the high school i've always hated the mentality behind we have a sub let's just make them feel terrible i know god i had some really cool substitute teachers i remember there was like a guy 
who I feel like he brought his musical instruments with him and he would like play saxophone and stuff like that. Like he would he would substitute a couple of times. He was just kind of an interesting character. Sorry, what what class was he substituting for? English. (laughs) (laughs) So this man just came into your English class and was like, your teacher's not in today. And then just ripped a sweet sack solo. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I had had one substitute that we had for like weeks at one point when I was in grade 10. And she was was just terrible. And I remember... She, like, didn't follow the, the curriculum. So, like, my, my whole grade 10, this was, like, for my grade 10 religion class. And honestly, when you've been in Catholic school for 10 <laughs> years, you can't really fuck up religion class. Yeah. You, you can answer a lot of questions with uh, a lot of vague Jesus's or well, Savior kind of so. so, lines. You, yeah. you can say God said so to a lot of stuff and, yeah. and get by. But, like, our curriculum was thrown off. Because she just, like, completely went off the books. At one point, there was, like, an assignment that she wanted us to do. And it was similar to something the students the year before had done that were, like, saved in the back of the classroom. So she went through them. And she, like, without their consent, you know, just just like these students who were, like, like last year's ninth graders, so people who are in our grade, potentially in our class, would like show their projects and be like, no, this isn't what I want to see. Oh <laughs> you my god. You see how this looks? This is not right. This is terrible. And like just like tore apart these people's work. Wow. And I, I feel like she she was also the reason we watched um some of the the more we we watched some more heavily Catholic influenced or at least guilt influenced um, <laughs> <laughs> movies and like educational videos under her watch. We watched um, Fireproof. Is that Kirk Cameron? I I don't think it's Kirk Cameron, but it's like this fireman's marriage is failing, so he goes for a walk with his dad, and his dad's like, "Son, read the Bible." And then him and his wife have to like make up, but only after they've read the Bible. Something like that. We had to watch one of those videos that was like a, a motivational, in heavy, heavy quotes, speaker who would go to high schools and just tell you that if you didn't abstain, you were going to die. And if you had an abortion, your uterus was going to get ripped out and you would spend the rest of your life hooked up to machines. Oh, Jesus. I think I've seen everything is terrible videos of this woman, probably. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of lot of that fun energy, all at the hands of a substitute teacher who shouldn't have had that much authority. No. It's phrenology, really, and it really works. See, this bump right here means you're going to be a famous rock star. We get a pretty cute scene of Lily and Ed and Ted hanging out on a staircase, and Ed and Ted try this gambit on Lily to try and get her to buy a calendar that involves phrenology. <laughs> These are men of science. I'm disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> that they would stoop so low. But basically they're like faking about reading the bumps on her head. And they say, this one means that you're about to buy a calendar. And it's very goofy and fun. Love it. And then we go back to history class with Waller. I find it easy to remember dates. All you have to do is uh, make up a little story about the numbers. For example, 1900. When I was 19 years old, 
I looked through my binoculars and saw the boxers. Do you do you have any um like classic mnemonics that you use to memorize things? I don't know that I have any uh any current devices. Do you? I I I had one for the Great Lakes. All men have eaten Oreos. You're not a man until you have consumed <laughs> Oreos. What are you, a boy? <laughs> Grow up. <laughs> Eat your Oreos and take on the family business of eating Oreos. None of this Cinnabon bun flavor bullshit. We, <laughs> we eat old stock Oreos. I've seen family. you talking to the Johnson boy. Don't you know he comes from a Chips Ahoy family? <laughs> Don't even get me started about the peak friends on the corner. <laughs> the imposters they are. They think they're better than us because they have jam. They're so digestible, aren't they? You're so digestible, the girl. girl. <laughs> I hate it. If I might offer a correction, sir. The boxers were known as the Iho Chuan, which means Society of Harmonious Fists. Iho Tsai Jen, which you said mistakenly, means Society of Righteous Harmonious Bye-Byes. Waller's <laughs> <laughs> attempting to teach history and manages to mispronounce one of the Chinese names. Travis takes this as the opportunity to raise his hand and correct Waller's pronunciation and basically embarrass him in front of the class. So, you know... I'm sure that was a one-off and is not going to happen again. That's why, to help us be the best radio station in all creation, we are selling these super cool RFR balls of foil. We pop into RFR super briefly, but it's a really fun segment where they're basically making a parody of the Cougar radio calendar by advertising their own RFR ball of foil. And Ray has this giant ball of foil, and all I could think of was, like, you know, those viral videos that you see that will catch your attention for a few seconds, but there's that one where they, like, sand a ball of foil and it looks so oh, perfect yeah, yeah, and beautiful. yeah it's like a big old shiny marble yeah that's all i could think of i was like oh i want a big old shiny marble <laughs> i'm easily amused and then we pop over to mickey's and we get some robbie and kim time which we haven't seen for quite a while picking up that plot hey kim how's it going pretty awful robbie i'm trying to unload 200 calendars to a school full of students that all have day timers kim calls robbie robbie instead of just mcgrath like, oh, oh i didn't even pick up on that yeah it's cute um wow. humanity and robbie asks her well why did you buy so many then and she reveals that she wants to f raise funds to buy a portable transmitter so that cougar radio can do investigative journalism <laughs> meanwhile robbie's buying a latte <laughs> yeah Robbie's just buying a latte. <laughs> it's a very small latte. It's so tiny. It's, it's, it's such an itty bitty thing. Kim asks Robbie if he can help her out. And he says, sorry, I'm broke. And he kind of gestures at his latte. Because I mean, you have to wonder how much money these kids are spending to be at Mickey's all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I guess there's like a bunch of customers who like just kind of hang out there and, and don't buy anything given by how angry Mickey is at everybody that's there at all times. But, yeah, what? where are these teens getting their money? Yeah. Because their free time is going to RFR. They don't have jobs. They're 14. Lattes are not cheap. Kim offers Robbie another alternative to helping her out, which is basically giving him a bunch of calendars that he now has to sell. 
and we get this great ending to the scene where he's kind of he's kind of just standing holding the calendars being like hey anybody want a calendar and he's just kind of standing over these two people who are trying to have like i don't know a date or a chat or something and we get this very dramatic like the two extras in this scene just like look away like mortified they're like wow <laughs> yes it's it is some extra extra acting you might say oh it is so extra Yes, Mr. Strong, you have a question? Yes, the Western view is all well and good, but can you tell me how the Treaty of Nanjing affected China's view of the Western powers? Oops, oh, got a page. <clears throat> so we pop back into the classroom with Waller, and yet again, Travis finds a way to kind of push back at Waller by asking a legit question about the Eastern perspective on this treaty that's being signed. Waller fakes that he has a page that he has to leave for, and he leaves the classroom taking his little snow globe of Roscoe with him. <laughs> Why did he bring the snow globe to the classroom? I th- Waller? Is it like his like little security blanket or something? I don't understand. Aww. Although, Waller. all I can think of is that episode where he tries to expose question mark, and Travis says, and he has the snow globe, and he shakes it, and he shakes it. <laughs> he shakes it, and he shakes it. Yes. Oh, it's it's very good. Um, but he leaves the room. It does kind of read like Travis already knows the answer, and he's just like trying to like make Waller look like an idiot. You know, little shit. Can you believe this guy? He drives the enemy right out of the room. Uh, can I get a standing O? Yes. Ray, in like truly an episode of um, uncharacteristic Travis and Ray bonding, he uh, stands up and he's like, "Can you can you believe this guy? Like Travis drove Waller right out of the room, and he gets everybody to give Travis a standing ovation for driving Waller away." <laughs> <laughs> so Waller meanwhile rushes to his office and does some quick research and comes back and tries to act all calm and collected, but pulls out like notes from his pocket that are basically just. Like a, a one-line fill-in-the-blanks answer yeah. to the question that he asked, which was Travis said, "What? How did they feel?" And Waller <laughs> ran to his office to research, came back, and basically said, "Bad." And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Extremely nuanced education from Principal Waller, who clearly just shouldn't be doing this job. Yeah. Yeah. Being an administrator doesn't mean you're a teacher. No. Different skills. Google radio calendar? Uh, nope. We go to Robbie very flatly trying to sell Cougar radio calendars and doing a terrible job. When he's unsuccessful, he just kind of like tosses them into his locker. He's like, well, I tried. (laughs) And Kim notices, walks in, and goes very much back to her her Kim tactics of just being kind of snide and, and snarky. She's like, I thought you wanted to help me with my reporter dream. And Robbie's like, I do. And Kim's like, well, you couldn't tell by how like shitty of a job you were doing. And then Robbie goes, man, she's good. <laughs> At what? At what? <laughs> what, just being, being mean to you? <laughs> yeah. She, oh, she she's good. She makes me feel terrible. I guess I better help Get her. Get your calendars. <laughs> It's it's a very strange tactic, but I guess it works. I guess so, yeah. Now Robbie's trying to figure out some other tack he can use to sell all these calendars. And then we get back to the most entertaining history classroom. In, Dare uh, I say, the best montage of the series so far. Oh, it's great. It, it starts off with Travis is just... Travis is really just being a little shit now. 
Waller is struggling to find Beijing on the map of China, and Travis uses a laser pointer to point out where it is, and Waller looks back at him as if he is about to kill him. It's just there is there is so much rage. Yes, so much, so much bottled anger. And then we get this amazing montage of Travis just doing everything he can to undermine Waller with the laser pointer, with like just pointing at other books. At one point, he's got binoculars. Yes. That's like a little throwback. He's eating like low main takeout at one point, which is just like, he, he, this doesn't have anything to do with history. What are you doing? I, at some point, I guess he persuades Waller to put on finger cuffs. Yeah. Part of the the educational experience. I guess so. It's It's the interactive component. We pop out of the montage into Waller trying yet again to pronounce a Chinese name. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> that is it, Mr. Strong. Ask not for whom the buzzer tolls. It tolls for thee. Now, you will go to my office, and I will deal with you after class. We hop to the principal's office, and we get a big showdown between Travis and Waller, and it's just awesome. Oh, the, the snow globe returns. And Waller is sitting there, like, with the snow globe kind of just perched in his fingertips. He's like, <laughs> this is Roscoe High. How I like it. Calm. Orderly. This is what you did to my class today. And then he just shakes it super, super fast. And he, he shakes, shakes it, it and he shakes, shakes it. it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm confused about why Waller in previous episodes was just like shaking his snow globe. He's like, I want to picture it orderly. It's <laughs> like chaos. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Why is it a snow globe and not just like a little statue? Yes. Yes. He, at what point... He's opening it up to create the chaos if yeah. he's the one shaking it. I wonder if this is like we see all these like the tension about to break the surface moments from Waller. Does he just go and shake the snow globe for like 10 minutes? <laughs> he goes outside and he like hugs the front of the building and he tries to shake the whole school. <laughs> like chaos! Chaos! <laughs> but we, we, we get this showdown of Travis not wanting to, to budge because he believes Waller doesn't know his stuff and isn't showing the boxers the, the respect that they deserve by not, you know, being educated. Waller says that he's working under very trying circumstances and he has to show him the same respect that he would show his regular history teacher. And at one point during their argument, he says, My, my, you'd make a great little boxer yourself. It's a good thing you don't know Kung Fu. I do know Kung Fu. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and Waller just this fake like, ooh, get security kind of bit. <laughs> he says, I'm just joking. And then Travis says, I'm not. <laughs> he's talking about like his feelings about the boxers and the content, but it absolutely comes off as a threat. Yes. Of, like, I will punch you. I will one inch punch you if you don't I respect I will one inch history. punch you and you will die <laughs> if you don't get educated, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Travis gives Waller a very kind of Cullen-esque, like Edward Cullen-esque, like chin down, staring yes. up at Waller. It's like a very, his, his, he's very pouty. Yeah. And it's like this very slow, like head turn of him just like putting his chin down. Again, like one of, one of those Travis moves that's like 
unimpressed, but also weirdly seductive. <laughs> yeah. He gives him a book that he has on the Boxer Rebellion, and he asks Waller to read it to be informed. And Waller makes a good point that, you know, there's nothing brave of what Travis is doing, basically sitting at the back of the class and being a little shit. So and that's, we get more Travis pouts. Waller tells Travis to shape up or else his future will be a little shaky as he menacingly shakes his little Roscoe High snow globe. That's our first half. In our one plot, Robbie's trying to figure out how he's going to sell all these useless calendars. And in our other, we've got Travis and Waller kind of duking it out over the proper teaching of history. So we'll see what happens with that. So, in today's CanCon commercial break, we're talking about Street Sense. <laughs> street Sense. I am really excited about this one. I first heard of Street Sense because uh, a comedian we enjoy, Andrew Bush of Picnic Face, Cavendish, and now My Gorgeous Son, mentions on my the My Gorgeous Son podcast that it was kind of his breakout role. And so I was immediately intrigued and I wanted to learn more about it. And I watched an episode and some clips and man, I wish I had watched this show growing up because it is cool. It is awesome. Uh, so this is from the Wikipedia page. Street Sense is a teen-themed news magazine TV series that originally aired on CBC between 1989 and 2006. It was one of a few shows focused on consumer and media awareness for young people. The show aired without commercial interruption because the producers did not want the bias of advertising revenue to affect the potential criticism of the advertiser's products and or services. The show promoted safety and ethics and action while empowering young people. Like, what? It's so cool. Yeah. And uh, it was made in Halifax. So it was produced in CBC's Halifax production unit, which is cool. So from what I could see from, again, the Wikipedia, Street Sense is kind of divided into two different approaches. In the first eight or so seasons, they're where it was almost a bit had a bit more of a narrative feel there were three hosts and a sneaky salesman named ken pompadour just such a great name it, it just it makes me think of wank yahoo like maybe they're like you know something like long lost cousins or something like i kind of want a dog named ken pompadour now right like it's but, such a good name but if you shorten that you just have a dog named ken and i feel like that's weird that is yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's like a there's like a certain it's hard to describe, but there's a certain like there's a slew of names that just don't they don't lend themselves necessarily to pet names. Yeah, having you can't call a dog Stephen. Yeah, or Derek. This is my cat Derek. <laughs> oh, I I like the energy of my cat Derek. <laughs> Living life with Derek, my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but Ken Pompadour was a weak-willed lackey for this corporation called Bico, which always sold inferior and shoddy products and marketed how great the products were in a parody fashion. Later on, so seasons 9 to 17, uh, Street Sense took on a more news magazine style, which is what I ended up watching. Um, it maintained a focus on empowering young people to make their own educated decisions about media and products they consume. Despite being based in Halifax, the show still maintained its efforts to include all of Canada and the segments it produced by featuring segments from across Canada in each episode. 
During the final few years, the show also expanded by featuring segments on various teen issues, such as divorce, interracial dating, and eating disorders. So it it's a really interesting show. It's There's a lot in there about financial literacy and just like things you should know as a young person. Like some of the segments featured were uh, What's Your Beef, which is where viewers would send letters, phone calls, and emails that the hosts would kind of investigate. Uh, Me Incorporated, which was really cool. It was like a profile of a teen entrepreneur who was working to create their own like business. Uh, street Test, where uh, teens and kids would test out a variety of products blindly to see which one is the best. Uh, the episode I watched had four kids trying different kinds of frozen lasagna and kind of like judging. <laughs> it was kind of great. That was like judging them on their like cheesiness, on the texture of the noodles, but also the price. It wasn't too bad. I like the cheese on top of the Stouffer's. Stouffer's had the best noodle texture. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And the, I thought there was a little too much grease in the no name. Then they had streeters. So, you know, as classic streeter is just talking with adolescents and teenagers on the street about some of the different subjects they were covering. What will be the best part about moving out? Moving out? Mm, not having a curfew. <laughs> having to come home when the parents say. The best part would probably be being able to drop in anytime, charge room and board, and make money off people staying at your place. And fit for the pit which I think was part of more of that first kind of era of Street Sense, which is where they would take an inferior product, which they the producers believed was not worth paying for, and it's dramatically tossed into a fiery pit. It's cool. There's It seems to be a smattering of episodes of Street Sense on YouTube because people who were featured in it, like on streeters or otherwise, would get copies of it. So some of them have Aww. like uploaded the tapes to YouTube, which is really cool and kind of the only way you can actually watch the show. I love that this episode i watched which is all about moving out they give lots of really good legit advice about like talking to your landlord and making sure to like check a whole bunch of stuff before you rent a place see landlords tend to be picky about things like rent damage deposits loud parties and furry critters but you as tenants have rights too they talk to like a ballet dancer about what it's like to like live on his own at 16. wow uh, yeah it's super cool it's a freaking cool show. I know, right? A little while ago, I ordered a scanner for my computer off the internet. I got all the info, filled out all the forms, and then it asked me for a credit card number. That really sucks because I don't have a credit card. I find that everyone's taking credit cards now, and people without credit cards aren't able to buy as much stuff now. That's my beef. Here's this, it's a what's the beef segment, and this kid wants to know basically what what the deal is about getting a credit card. I don't know who you are, but I said no contact. The word of it after you. No one's after me. I just tried to reserve a room in this big fancy hotel, but I couldn't because I didn't have a credit card. What you doing? Don't oh. you know you absolutely need a credit card to reserve a room in big fancy hotels? You're either really stupid or really stupid. Why is he holding him at gunpoint and <laughs> telling him to get a credit card? <laughs> I know. I, I don't understand the energy of this scene. I appreciate the information it's giving. I know, it's so weird. I used to have a card once. Promised I'd take care of it. Now look at me. I can't get a loan. I can't buy a house. I have to drive around in an ugly used El Camino. My only friend and the only one I can trust is my cat. Yeah, just a goofy skit featuring Andy Bush giving information on what you need to do in order to get a credit card. It's great. Wow. That's the Street Sense experience. It is extremely 90s, lots of zoom cuts, lots of weird sped up footage and graphic overlays. 
and it's just packed full of really useful information for young people. I mean, watching this episode from 20 years ago now, there are things that are outdated, but there's still things that you have to think about, like, you know, a lot of the basic stuff about making sure you have your first and last month's rent, making sure your landlord allows pets, like all those basic things that not everybody knows when they're moving out for the first time. As far as reception goes, again, it's, it's hard to find reception for some of these Canadian shows, but I did find a couple of Reddit mm -hmm. posts. In the subreddit r slash Canada, somebody posted, anybody else used to watch Street Sense? And user Bubblesqueak commented, Street Sense turned me into a responsible consumer. A wonderful show. Terry O'Reilly's radio shows are a must for those who watch Street Sense. Um, Terry O'Reilly does have a fun show. It's called Under the Influence, and it's about advertising and media and stuff. But it doesn't have oh. quite this energy. But it is a good show. And then uh, user Nerisys, uh posted, Street Sense was the show that informed me that store brand microwave popcorn is better than brand name. It was a specific store brand in the episode, Our Compliments, but I found that it holds true for all stores. The co-op gold popcorn is also better than brand name. <laughs> so I'm glad they got they got a good lesson from Street I'm, Sense. I'm glad. Yeah. And then I, I kind of have a sad ending to the Street Sense story, I guess. Um, this was a, a story that just came out this year, actually in January, from the official CBC story. The Nova Scotia government has issued a tender to demolish the historic CBC building on Bell Road that has hosted popular national television programs like Don Messer's Jubilee, Street Sense, and This Hour Has 22 Minutes. Stantec Consulting Limited conducted an extensive survey of the more than 63-year-old building to determine what hazardous materials might be present. The company's findings make up the bulk of the tender documents. Um, basically saying there's a lot of asbestos and bird poo in there, so they're tearing it down in order to expand a hospital which is fair i mean yeah gotta expand the hospitals but it's just it's it's a shame because i know i i don't know if they've they've managed to build things back up since but i know halifax used to be a a real hot spot for film and tv production in canada and yeah yeah it's just cool to have centers in canada that aren't just toronto and vancouver so but uh that's street sense produced in Halifax, uh, but also managed to, you know, get all over the country to talk to all sorts of young people about issues that they're worried about or issues that they care about. And I did, I, I was able to get a six degrees of RFR for this one because a lot of the, the young folks who were hosting these shows went on to act in other things. Um, Jamie Bradley was a host in the later seasons of Street Sense. He was in a TV movie called Sex and the Single Mom, with an actor named Kyle Schmid, who was in uh, the show Strange Days at Blake Holsey High, which oh. I imagine we'll, we'll talk about at some point. Uh, also in Strange Days at Blake Holsey High was Noah Reed, who, as mm -hmm. we've talked about before, was in a play with William Greenblatt, a.k.a. Leon Appleton, who we just saw last episode. <laughs> Hop into RFR for a little bit, and it starts off with this great bit where Shady Lane has a public service announcement. We begin with a public service announcement. Today is Tuesday. Thank you. Basically, they're using it as an opportunity to dunk on the Cougar radio calendar. But it also made me think of um, uh, a news station in Cleveland did this bit recently in light of, you know, being kind of uh, in lockdown and time stretching out and being weird. They did this hilarious bit where 
they said, we're introducing a new segment today called What Day Is It? And they do this like 10 second bumper with music and everything. And they go to like their meteorologist or whatever. And he just says, Wednesday. And then, like, oh, and, yes, I have seen that. Yeah. At first I was going to be like, why do you know about this? Yeah. This Cleveland bit. Because it's a good bit. Uh, it's a good bit. And then they just play the bumper again. And it's hilarious. That's really good. But uh, so the crew is trying to encourage Robbie to rip into the Cougar radio calendar with them. And he's kind of trying to like, you know, sidestep criticism away, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like Robbie's supposed to be kind of separate from question mark. I don't know. Maybe he's just he's just too much of a, a, a sweet moral boy to to tear himself up like that. Surely you have something to say about your favorite Cougarific calendar. You know, maybe we're looking at this whole calendar sale the wrong way. And he makes this weird kind of argument that, like, we want our enemies to be strong, don't we? Buoyed up by the power of dozens of sold calendars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just very, like, quietly trying to get people off of Kim's backs. Yeah. I mean, like, if they can't make up the money, I'm sure that Travis has some contacts in Istanbul where they could get a oh, transmitter. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Guys, guys, five bucks and she's yours. Forget it, loser. Okay, what's he doing there? <laughs> Rafi's desperately trying all these different sales tactics to try and move the calendars. And at one point, he's looking at the calendar as if it's a centerfold. <laughs> and these two guys walk by and he he's like, five bucks and she's all yours. Like, <laughs> the fuck? And of course, Ray happens to be going down the hallway, and there's this whole thing where Robbie's trying to hide the calendars. I want to throw this out, you mind? Yeah. I mean, are you going to finish that? Because that is an excellent source of apple seeds. All right. But while Robbie's kind of scrambling around, he doesn't notice the fact that Lily has now seen what he's doing and is clued in. Lily catches up to Robbie and confronts him about what he's doing. And Robbie's like, well, Kim, ask me if I would I would uh, help her sell them. And Lily oddly doesn't push him on that. <laughs> the fact that, like, Robbie's willing to help out Kim. But uh, Robbie suddenly gets this brainwave and he says he's not going to sell them as calendars. He's going to sell them as dartboards, drawing targets on this picture of Kim and Principal Waller. So now we know Waller's in the calendar, too. Is it just, like, pictures of Kim and Waller? Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I I feel like there's got to be some sort of ethical boundary if you're selling students pictures of yourself. Yeah, this is not why I signed my, my what was it, the FOIP form we had to sign, where you had to, like, make sure you had your parents' permission to show up in photos of the school and stuff like that. I, I don't want a calendar of my principal. No. <laughs> and if I were a principal, I wouldn't want students to have a calendar of me. Having having a dartboard with not only another student but your principal is like that's a threat. That is that's like that's a serious problem. Yeah, that's you would get in trouble for that. I know, but I think Waller's too occupied with the whole Travis situation to take notice. <laughs> He's too busy having a rivalry with a fourteen-year-old. Yes. Oh well, I see. Mr. Strong has chosen to deprive us of his presence today. Pity. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just have to mark him down as missing in action. My name is Ching Ting Hua. 
I come from the province of Hebei, and I have come to fight the invaders. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> this isn't okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... We go back to the history classroom where Waller is pleased to see Travis seems to have taken absent. Uh, meanwhile, from the back of the class, Ray Ray somehow, like, he brings in a CD player that he's just thrown a jacket on top of or something. And he whips off the jacket and starts playing this music. <laughs> and then Travis it's, comes it's, in. It's just a gong sound. Yeah, just a gong sound. And, uh, and then Travis arrives. <laughs> And it's uh, it's playfully appropriative. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to feel about this. I, I get the intention of it. Yes. I, I get that he's like, I just want this to be taught accurately. Yeah, we get Travis in full, you know, what we can assume to be, sort of meant to be boxer regalia. He does this slow, like, jumping front kick through the door, like it's actually in, like, semi-slow motion. <laughs> and Waller is very angry. <laughs> you have about five seconds to explain yourself before I bust you back to pre-K. I've decided to take you up on your offer. What offer? Travis explains that, well, you said uh, until I was ready to teach the class, and now here I am. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna teach them by... Punching you to death. <laughs> yes. Everybody's going to learn something today. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's how quickly you can kill a man. <laughs> Robbie's whole gambit with basically drawing dartboard circles on the calendars seems to be doing really well. Everyone's buying them. Um, Robbie? Not right now, Lily. I'm doing business here. I like your work. Thank you. I do what I can. Him. This is how you help me? Thanks a lot, Robin. Yikes. Uh, he basically follows Kim to the radio station, where it ends up shaking out okay, because, you know, she says, well, I'm getting the money anyway, and I know just how to thank you for this. And she, like, hands him a stack, like another stack of calendars, so she's just fine with the fact that people want to throw darts at her face. <laughs> There's really very little emotional vulnerability from, from Kim in re response to this. Yeah. She, she's mostly annoyed with Robbie, but, like, the dartboard thing doesn't seem to bother her that much. Then we go over to the history classroom, where Travis is basically trying to do this, like, theatrical teaching thing, where he's playing this character of this uh, boxer warrior, and he says how he's been trained to fight. And he pulls out this practice sword and basically just starts knocking shit over. I do not fear the Westerners' bang sticks. Our magic will protect us, and I will overcome insurmountable adversity. For the next 38 minutes. Cuckoo! Cuckoo! Lee Johns is the first one to throw the stone of saying cuckoo. And you can see Ray cringing, and it's, it's getting real bad. And then... Suddenly, Waller decides to help Travis out. My name is Vice Admiral Sir Edward Seymour of His Majesty's Navy. Yeah, he, like, sympathizes with him because he understands how hard it is to be up there. So he starts playing the part of uh, a British admiral, um, and they kind of play out the conflict. And they have, like, a little introduction to each other that leads to them bowing to each other. And then we get kind of, like, this, this <laughs> shot of the two of them. What are you doing? 
I read your book. It's fascinating. I owe you an apology. It's not so easy being up here. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. So, what do you say we kickstart this thing? So then they continue with the scene and actually have like a very seemingly successful um, kind of play about this, this interaction. The Empress told us we would not be harmed by the foreigners' guns. She told us that they would crumble if we struck them with our fists. It was all lies, so we would fight to make her rich. Lies. I do have to wonder, though, because, like, at the setup, the setup after Travis gets started with this is that they have 45 minutes of class. This whole scenario takes, like, two minutes. What are they going to do for the rest of the class? <laughs> What's the rest of the class? Uh, and how how many days has this been? Yeah, yeah. Like, what's what's going on with the teacher? <laughs> what's going on with the the rest of the content in this history course? Yeah. Look who it is, the calendar man. All I'd ever wanted was to be Mister July, but you just couldn't live with that, could you, calendar man? So we resolved the plot with Robbie and Kim in the calendar with Ed and Ted being devastated that Robbie is clearly pulling ahead in the calendar. And they were like, they were ready with a photo for them being Mr. July, which was them surfing. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, it's a pretty great, great prop. I I get confused. I'm getting confused though, because it's like the, the prize is to be involved in the calendar but Ed and Ted mentioned multiple different months they have planned. So is like the prize to like just be the entire calendar? I don't understand. <laughs> and if so, I mean, what a strange it, prize. If I had to choose between having a calendar of Kim and having a calendar of Ed and Ted, I mean, I would, I would just, me personally in my life right now, would love an Ed and Ted calendar for the bit. Oh, yeah. No, it's a no-brainer for, for us sitting in, uh, in the real world 2020. 80 um but like i'm just trying to imagine you know like some rando from my high school getting an entire calendar made of them and being like okay buy this now (laughs) oh boy it's it's like the the braggy christmas card to the max oh yeah to the max max especially because you don't have anything to brag about yet you're 15 (laughs) (laughs) yeah such such a specific thing like I, I've heard of people giving people pictures of themselves as gifts. Yeah. In fact, I've experienced it. But like to give someone a full calendar, like a full twelve months, to make the statement of here now you can look at look at me and think about me every single month of this entire goddamn year. Yeah. And what a gift. And the idea of like selling it as a widespread thing, like it's not just for your family and friends. You're trying to sell it to random acquaintances or schoolmates that you do not know. So, um, I think I figured out why you're selling all these calendars. It's Kim, isn't it? You have got a thing for her. No! Robbie's really made a stone. He says, I don't like Kim. And then suddenly he's like, yes, I do. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's remarkable that Robbie has kept a secret this long because the second that he's grilled or under the slightest bit of pressure like just just folds yeah completely uh, folds but, but lily promises to keep the secret because it's lily and not ray <laughs> yeah no it's funny it's it's almost getting a little bit hard to keep track of who knows who likes who <laughs> yeah yeah all these kids just crushing on each other Man. just just crushing 
Ah, the the days of being 14 and having crushes on dumb boys. I mean, don't limit yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I I get that you've been in a committed 10-year relationship, but let me tell you, when you're not, you can have crushes on dumb people anytime. That's fair. That's fair. And after doing a bit of soul searching in my 20s, I would probably have crushes on dumb girls, too. <laughs> yes, don't, don't limit yourself. You can like dumb people at any time. Yes, it's true. That's, that's the moral of the story. <laughs> that, is, that is the takeaway after this episode that's yeah. largely about <laughs> not erasing history and taking into account kind of the, the factors that went into how history books are written. The takeaway is that you can have crushes on dumb people. Yes. Yeah. And we, we close off the, the Waller-Travis thing with, it's it's pretty nice, you know, basically they've managed to get through that you have to, like you were just saying, you have to look at different sides of history and you can't just tell one narrative. Well, the Western countries side of the story sounded pretty justified, but the boxer side seemed pretty justified as well. Meaning? History isn't just about telling the winner side of the story. Excellent observation, Mr. Brennan. Even Ray gets it. Oh my gosh, he's still sitting there with... And Lee Johns. And Lee Johns. Ray's just sitting there with his giant CD player still taking up, like, all of his desk. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. But yeah, it's it's a good episode. It's, yeah. it's We get some, some fun Ed and Ted bits. Um, a continuation of the, the Robbie and, and Kim storyline, because we hadn't seen that in a little bit, but... Very much still crushing. And and just like a, a good perspective that I, I don't think you you get in a lot of TV shows kind of geared towards this demographic or of this time that actually talks about like the the specific complexity not, not only in kind of a, the, the more general sense of you know, history isn't a, a one sided thing and there's a lot of perspectives that go into it but also in in like very specific language that they use about colonization and um a lot of that narrative in terms of you know the the role of um like the the british empire and all of this and uh we also get lots of good travis pouty looks where he can't seem to decide if he's going to seduce or kill his principal so that's the boxer take us on over to mickey's discs over in mickey's discs for this episode we've got my world by hutch ain't no trip to cleveland by branson very appropriate and anthem by shannon fasten i i really liked the song anthem by shannon fasten but basically yeah i tried i tried searching the artist's name and i couldn't find anything except for I think just this Radio Free Roscoe four dot tripod page. So yeah, she's a mystery. Um, in true RFR fashion, if you want to hear the song, watch the episode. Yeah, pretty much. You can get a snippet of it there. Same with My World by Hutch, which is something we've covered before and seems to be, at least for now, Robbie and Kim's theme because it also oh. played when Robbie and Kim were hanging out doing inventory at Mickey's together. Very, very cute little connection. Yeah. If you're not already, you can follow us on social media. You can find us at Podcast Free Roscoe on Facebook and Instagram or Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. You can also email us at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com. Send us a message. Let us know what you think of our show, what you think of 
the original show? What do you think of Canadian shows in general? I what don't know. you think of frozen lasagna? Yeah. No, honestly, like, you know, I don't know if they make all those frozen lasagnas anymore. So clearly we need to be the ones who do the updated segment. Um, I like food recommends. Tell me about food. You can also feel free to send us an audio clip if you want. We'll put you on the air. And that's us for this week. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. (laughs) 